So I just wondered what you thought of PE when you were at school. Um, <laughs> uh, a, try and raise the bar, shall we? Um, so, um, well, I quite really enjoyed PE actually um, when I when I was at school. Apart from two two things, one was cross country running, which was never cross country running because it was running through the streets of Dudley, past people's shops and factories while they're on their lunch breaks, having them shout really unhelpful, encouraging things as a load of teenagers. I would say wasn't even jogging really it was <laughs> I'm sure it was an excuse for teachers to have a quick cup of coffee and it's just oh we'll send them on a cross-country run um I think we did pass a field maybe that's probably where they got cross-country from but the second thing was was when they used to get the hurdles out for athletics and and I had a real um problem with hurdling I think you're either a natural hurdler or you're not and I'm not and um and so the hurdles used to come out and they'd be equally spaced around and and so what would happen is like I would run with everybody else and then I'd sort of slow down and touch it and then just go back a little bit and just measure my stride pattern now and all that kind of stuff and then oh what would happen was I'd bomb across it and then I'd check out at the last minute and and just go around and, and the coach that was with us used to get really frustrated with me and he would say to me attack the hurdle Jane attack the hurdle what does that mean attack the hurdle and and I think what he was trying to get me to do was the only one thing I remember him saying was never slow down before the first hurdle let your momentum take you over and I think there are loads of hurdles that we have in our lives and one of the hurdles that we have is this thing called prayer and I'm going to speak about that this morning and so and so we're talking about being hungry for the amen and what you're going to hear this morning is my journey from being hungry from for the amen on this side which was will you please shut up you've gone on for far too long now will you just say amen I want to eat or I want to get on to the really exciting stuff that is part of your job description as a Christian. Two, being hungry for the amen, which is all about being in agreement with God, the so be it that amen means, the let it be. And so what you're going to hear about are my hurdles that I had to run through to get from shutting up to actually going, no, God, please, I want to be where you are and in agreement with what you want to do in my life and the lives of people around me. So is that OK? We're going to attack some hurdles this morning. So, yeah, so just talking about the hung, being hungry for the amen, really. And, and so what you're going to hear is, is some of my journey with this whole thing about prayer um, and, and the, the hurdles that, that, that I've gone through and still hit. Um, let me make no bones about that. They aren't once done and forever thrown away. These are, these are things that we come up against time and time again. And I will not probably address all of your hurdles this morning, and, but I'm praying that God will speak to you about that. And hopefully some of the stuff that I share with you will be helpful this morning. And um, I just want to share a quote with you. Um, and it's by somebody called, a guy called Martin Luther. And, and it's this, it says, to be a Christian without prayer is more impossible than to be alive without breathing. And when I first heard this years ago, I honestly thought, really, Martin? Really? Because um, either he missed the mark by a mile or I'm in trouble. Either he missed the mark by a mile or I'm in trouble. You know, I don't know how much um, I pray in comparison with you or I did pray or, uh, or where you see yourself in that whole cycle of prayer. But I know I don't pray as much as I breathe. And I definitely didn't think of prayer as important as my breath. Um, and, and yet the Bible, a book I claim to be, um, claim to believe in so fervently talks a lot about prayer, you know, even says the church, you know, us meeting together is meant to be a house of prayer for all nations. You know, the Bible tells me that prayer changes things, you know, and even if we pray, we can have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ. That's how we actually come into a relationship with him, is to use this, this channel, this conduit that, that we call prayer. And the Bible tells me that Jesus prayed fervently and he prayed passionately and frequently and that God is waiting to hear from me. So why don't I pray? Why didn't I pray? And I've made so many excuses over the years and I'm sure you haven't used these, but I've used all of these. You know, the I'm busy, I'm too tired, I'm not feeling it, God, not feeling it today. You know, I don't know how to start. I'm really angry at you, God. I'm just not going to talk to you. I'm turning my back on you or, um, you know, I don't have the right words or, or even the, I don't feel good enough to actually have a conversation with you right now. And the truth is that none of these are really reasons not to pray. You know, I think there are some deeper reasons why I, um, you know, didn't. It wasn't, it wasn't the fact that I wouldn't, it, you know. No, it wasn't the fact that I didn't, it was the fact that I wouldn't pray. And I'm going to share some of those things with you this morning. But let's agree on a definition of prayer from the start so we all know what we're talking about. And prayer is simply this. It's simply communicating with God. It's as simple as that. You know, because I know how to talk and you know how to talk. And some of you talk a lot more than others, but we all have this talking ability. Um, And so we all know how to talk. And it's all about talking to God and learning how to listen. And at its root, you know, it's simply paying attention to God. That's what prayer is all about, is paying attention to God. My prayer life doesn't have to look like anyone else's. So let's lift that off right at the start. Your prayer life does not have to look like everyone else's. And I'm hoping after this morning, you'll be really encouraged to pray. So here's my journey then, guys, from from being hungry for people just to shut up to being hungry for God to actually say amen and me agree with him. So what was the first hurdle that I came across? My first hurdle is this, and I think this is probably the biggest one, is do my prayers make a difference? Do my prayers actually make any difference at all? And I think this is the biggest problem with the whole subject of prayer. The, is this really helping thought that you have? You know, is what I'm doing changing anything at all? Isn't prayer just a bit of a gamble? Because why bother really? Because if God is God and he can do anything and he can, he's going to do what he wants to do anyway, why do I need to get involved at all? Why do I need to get involved at all. Why waste that time like we're doing something far more beneficial, like talking about my issues over with my friend or working harder or worrying myself stupid over things? Why would I want to engage in that process? But let me ask you a question. And this is a question I asked myself years ago and I found it in, in an old journal when I was preparing for this. And it was, would you pray more, insert your name, if you believed that prayer actually made a difference? So my journal, it went, would you pray more, Jane, if you believed that prayer actually made a difference? Does God really work when I pray? And so to answer that question, I needed to answer a question before that, which is why do we pray? Because there are reasons why we pray that I wanted to suggest to you this morning isn't the reasons why God wants us to pray. And we need to clear some of those up this morning. This morning. So, so what do I mean? Well, okay then, so, so well, I can pray if God is a genie in a bottle. And I can give that bottle a rub and out pops God and God should give me whatever I ask for, shouldn't he? Because he's my father, I'm his child, he loves me, he wants to make me happy, therefore he should give me what I want and I'm asking for. I can see God as a vending machine and if I put the right money in, I'm going to get exactly the right product out that I want. God's going to dispense to me, in effect, really. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says in James 4 verse 3, When you ask, you do not receive 
because you ask with the wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your own pleasure, Jane. That was a bit of an oucher. Or I can believe that if I pray and say the same thing over and over again in a certain way, in a certain formula, then I'm going to get a certain result. It's like an open sesame and heaven's going to open. And why do I do that? Or why did I do that? It's because I did it once and I prayed a certain prayer with a certain way, in a certain manner, at a certain time of day and something happened. And I'm thinking, yes, that must be it then. If I do that every time, God's going to answer it. God's going to give me what I'm asking for. But actually, go back to the Bible again. In Matthew 6 verse 7, it says this. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. That was another outcher for me, if I'm honest with you. I thought the more I prayed, the more words I used, the quicker the result and the better result I was going to get. And then, here's a current one. People can pray for therapeutic reasons. And the idea there is that prayer doesn't have any real impact on my external world outside of my mind, but it does help reduce my stress. And do you know what? This is absolutely true. If you pray, if I pray, it will lower my blood pressure. It will lower my stress levels. And some people may call that meditation, but you can call it what you want, really. And I agree it's beneficial, but do you know what? It's got to be much more than that, hasn't it? Because I believe that prayer does change external things because I'm speaking to a real God who actually responds when I pray. And this is what sets us apart from any other religion in the world. is that ability to have a communication, have a conversation with a person that's actually going to respond to me. It's actually going to speak to me. It's actually going to have a relationship with me. And if you're not a Christian this morning, you could well say to me, well, Jane, do you know what? Those responses you see, they're just coincidences, aren't they? It's nothing to do with your prayer at all. And I found this great quote. It's so old, it's not even dated. From an old English bishop, bishop who said this, when I pray, coincidences happen, and when I don't, they don't. End of, basically. But isn't it still a lucky dip, though? Well, I just hope for the best and, and not bother. And the answer to that is not if I actually believe in God, it isn't. Not if I actually believe in God. And I often hear God referred to, don't we, as our father. And if he's our father, then he has some characteristics of my earthly parents. Now, how many of you ever went and asked your mum and dad for something? Yeah? Did they always say yes? Did that stop you asking? So why should it be any different with God? Why should it be any different with God? Was it a pointless gamble in asking your parents for something? Of course it wasn't. Just because my dad said no to me about one thing didn't stop me going for another. Prayer is not a gamble, guys. It's a conversation with a good father who knows best but loves me completely. Loves me completely. And sometimes he says no and sometimes he says yes, but every answer is given out of love. Every answer is given out of love. So that was my first hurdle. So I might have scraped my knee a little bit getting over that one. Then we get to hurdle number two, which is, isn't God unresponsive? Do you not find God unresponsive? No, the Bible tells me that God is unchanging. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. 
And it doesn't mean that God is like some, you know, unbending statue formed before the beginning of time, you know, that is unable or even worse, unwilling to adapt and, and, and change and re- react to things. Because saying that God doesn't change should be a real source of comfort for us. Should be a real source of comfort for us and strength because it means God's love for me is unconditional and constant. That's what's unchanging. That's what's unchanging. But you know what? It's also unique. And if you're a parent here this morning, you don't relate to your children all the same, do you? You don't deliver information the same way to each of each, all of your children. You don't communicate with them in the same way. If you've got something you really want to say to one of your children, you don't have it all printed out on a sheet of paper, do you? And say, well, please stand there while I read this to you. You find a way of relating, find a way of communicating, of getting that message across. And if, if as a parent, you don't relate to your children all the same, why do we think God does? Why do we think God does? So some of you love singing and music. Can I suggest to you, sing your prayer to God. Use a song to do that. Let that open your communication channel. Some of you are really good at writing. You know, write out your prayers to God. Some of you really appreciate the awesomeness of creation. You know, you get your phone out for every sunrise and every sunset because you cannot get over the awesomeness of God. Why not tell him how great that is? Get out there. Interact with God in that way. We need to break out of our preconceived ideas of what prayer has to be. Because my Bible shows me and tells me experiences and stories where I see Jesus responding to people all the time and feeling sadness and feeling anger and frustration and grief and pain and joy, but so much love. You see, God isn't a cold statue. God is my constant friend. God is my constant friend. And if God were the former, if God was a statue, it'd be ridiculous to talk to him, wouldn't it? But if God is the latter, if God is my constant friends, it would be equally ridiculous not to. Equally ridiculous not to. And more than that, do you know what? He gets me without even me having to use words. You might say, what do you mean? Well, do you know what? Ruskin knows exactly how I feel just by me making noises sometimes. You know, David in the Bible, in the Psalms said this, he said in Psalm 5, give ear to my words. And then he said this, consider my sighing. And his sighing is communicating with God as much as me sighing when I'm frustrated with Russ or me sighing when I'm just eating a great meal. And you know what I mean. If you've had a great meal, you go, oh, don't you? You don't have to say anything. You say, that was a great meal, do you? You know, whoever you're sitting with knows that you've really enjoyed that. Or if I go, oh, you know, I'm frustrated. Or I'm upset or I'm annoyed about something. And it's the same with God. I can sigh towards God and God can acknowledge what I'm saying. How responsive is that? How responsive is that? So there's hurdle number two out of the way about God being unresponsive. Number three is, but what if I get disappointed with God? What if I get disappointed with God? So we know prayer isn't taking a gamble. We know prayer isn't talking to a statue, but it doesn't mean I'm going to get everything I want either. And do you know what? That used to make me a little scared, to be honest. Because what if, what if I really, really pour out my heart to God and I tell him the most secret thoughts and desires and he says no? What do I do then? 
You know, the challenge is that to talk to God with any meaning, I've got to talk to God with gut level honesty. With gut level honesty. And the Bible is full of examples who spoke to God really bluntly. I can guarantee you, do you know what? God is secure enough to handle it. God is secure enough to handle it. He's not going to fall off his throne if I speak to him really bluntly. He really isn't. Because if he did, he wouldn't be God. And there are times I can just say to God, God, you know what? I don't get this. I really don't get this. I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know how I found myself here. I don't know how I've got here. I thought I was doing what you told me. I don't even know how to pray about this. I can be that honest because you know what? I don't have to worry that God's going to get angry with me. In fact, there are only two things I think I see Jesus criticising about prayer in the Bible. And these two things are this. One is when people's prayers were too long because they were showing off. And the second thing was when people's prayers were not authentic. And they're the only two things that I see in the Bible where Jesus criticised how people were praying. So don't worry, your prayer doesn't have to be long or perfect. It just needs to be honest. It just needs to be honest. And even if God's answer is no, I need to understand that answer is as merciful as when he says yes. And you know what? That's hard to get your head around. That when God says no, that no is as merciful as when he says yes. But what if I'm mad at him? What if I'm mad at him? Go ahead and tell him that then. He'd rather hear that than hear nothing. Do you know that? He'd rather hear that than hear nothing. And the brilliant thing about being angry with God and telling him and yelling at him is that it helps you clarify in your own mind what it is you're exactly angry about. Because I can tell you there are times when what I felt like is anger in my heart and I've vented it towards God turns out to be my heartbreak or fear over something completely different. And doing that clarifies in your mind exactly what it is you're actually feeling and why that is. So we started here and we've kicked some hurdles out of the way and we've got to here and then we're at another one. And number four is this, but God is so busy with stuff, isn't he? He can't possibly be interested in everything that matters to me. Can't possibly be interested in everything that matters to me. The Bible says to me again that I shouldn't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, I should present my request to God. And everything means everything. Whatever's important to you, talk to God about it. And back to parenting again, or even if you've got a really good friendship, who hasn't stopped what you are doing for someone else's concern or worry or hurt? Who hasn't ever done that? Even if it seems small to you, who hasn't stopped what you're doing to focus on somebody else's concern or hurt? We've all done that, haven't we? So why would God be any different? Why would God be any different? If it's important to you, it's important to him. And I really had to get my head around this. And I had to take a really strong look at the Bible and all the hundreds of different prayers that people have prayed, you know. There are hundreds in there. And then I had to try and tell myself that God isn't interested in things that matter to me. I couldn't do that. It was impossible. It was absolutely impossible. Because every time I did that, it proved the point that, God, actually you are. There's nothing about my life that you're not interested in or concerned about. Nothing. But then you see, we have to listen for the reply, don't we? And this is where we get a bit, mm, we're happy saying it. 
but we have to listen for the reply. Imagine how flat and frustrating a one-sided conversation is. Have you ever had one of those? It would be like me saying to Russ, my husband, here's what I want you to do, love. I want you to come and get me at this time. I want you to take me here. Can you get my food ready? Can you get my slippers out? Can you go and sort my work stuff out for me? Can you make sure my bed's made? Can you just take the rubbish out? Blah, de blah, de blah, de blah, all the way through that. It's not much of a meaningful relationship, is it? But actually, that's how I am with God sometimes. Can you do this? Can you turn up here? Can you just be there for me with this? Can you make sure this works out for me? Can you make sure that happens for that person? Please don't let that happen to me. You see, God just doesn't want to hear me. He wants me to hear him. You've had that kind of weird thinking, if you pray about something, God might test you in it. <laughs> so it could be, for example, that you need more patience. And you think, oh, my life, my kids are going to go mental for the next three weeks. Because God is teaching me patience. And, and, and I should be, be expecting this. And it's going to be the worst three weeks of my life. But you know what? At the end of it, I'm going to be patient. Or, you know, I need to control some anger issues. Things are going to really frustrate me at work. Everything that's going to go wrong is going to go wrong. I'm not going to get my deadlines done. God is going to do this stuff deliberately in my way so that I can actually control my anger. How ridiculous thinking is that? But we've all done it. I can guarantee that we've all thought that. God is going to test me in this if I ask about it. I need to learn the hard way. Do you know what? God is my loving father. He's my good shepherd. The Bible tells me that. Praying about my character should never be done out of a place of fear, but a place of faith. And what do I mean by that? I mean that why would God not want to take away the things in my life that get in the way of me loving him? Why wouldn't he do that? Why wouldn't he want to take those things away? And in fact, you know what? He's waiting for me to ask. He can't wait for me to say, God, whatever it is, whatever that thing is for you, don't ever be worried about praying about your character and then thinking something terrible is going to happen to make sure that, it doesn't ha- you know, that you're working that thing out. I don't think God, God deliberately works that way. He can't wait for you to ask to take that thing away. It may be a battle, it may be a valley, but you know what? He will walk through that with you because he's your constant friend, not an immovable statue. So that's number four, kicked out the way. How about this one then? Fine prayer, kind of awkward, if I'm honest. I really don't quite get it. You think it feels a bit weird to me. Never quite got on with it. Never quite understood how it works. And do you know what the truth is? Sometimes prayer can feel awkward. Especially if you're praying out loud. I know that's a real challenge for some people, actually praying out loud. And, and that can feel difficult and feel weird. But like any conversation, you know, if you've not been around for a while and you suddenly are in somebody else's company and you try and have a conversation... Isn't that awkward? You know, if I've not spoken to somebody for a long time and I suddenly find myself in their company, I overcame this really simply, actually, by starting to read the Bible out loud when I was on my own because I needed to listen and hear what the sound of my own voice sounded like. And also praying out loud helped me stay on topic because my mind would come up with the most random of things random of things like you need to get the washing out the washing machine what are you gonna have for tea tonight oh no, i can't wait for the next episode of silent witness all this stuff would come into my head 
and, and the only way I could combat that was to actually engage my brain in something else, which was often talking and speaking out loud. And, and I found that the more I did it, the more comfortable I got praying. Because people can be notorious, can't they, for avoiding things that make them uncomfortable. Don't be one of those people. Don't be one of those people and keep going. And then also struggle with the fact that, shouldn't I be praying for ages? Shouldn't I be praying for ages? Because some people I know pray for ages. They get up like at half four in the morning, have four hours before they go to work. And then, you know, then, then they, they, they forego their lunch and they're on their knees. And then at the end of the day, they're like, all they can do, they can't wait to get back home to pray. And you know what? I tried that. And it was a disaster for me. An absolute disaster for me. Because as an ongoing practice, that doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. It may work for some people. It doesn't work for me. Remember what I said? My prayer life doesn't have to be like yours. I just have to have one. And what really changed for me was, I don't pray for long periods of time, but I try not to go long periods of time without praying. I don't pray for long periods of time, but I try not to go long periods of time without praying. And I try to have an awareness of God throughout the day. And because of that, I've learned three vital things really. Prayer is not a test that we have to pass. Prayer is not a duty I have to fulfil. And prayer isn't the badge of how holy I am either that I need to parade around. Because when I start praying from those three things, man, that's awkward. That's when I find it awkward. So I'm here. And what's my last one? My last hurdle is this. I don't need to pray all the time so I can do without it. I can do without it. And you know what? This is the one I fall into all the time. This is the biggest hurdle I hit all the time because I actually believe, you know, I actually believe sometimes that I don't need to pray. And here's how subtle it is. So things are going pretty well in your life, in my life. And I may go a couple of days without praying, not because I've decided to do that, but because, I don't know, circumstances of life, a busy stuff's going on. I've, you know, for, for some reason it just hasn't happened. But you know what? My life's still going well. Nothing disastrous has happened. You know, I've never been hungry or thirsty. I live in a wealthy country. I've never had no access to food, drink or clothing. I've got a great family that loves me. And um, I'm really blessed with that. And I know I'm really blessed with that. I've got a great husband who takes care of me. Um, I'm part of a great church with great friends. I work with great people. I'm working for the good of others as best as I can. Everything's going great. Why, why do I need to pray? Why do I need to pray? Why is it so important, this prayer thing? And do you know what was a real slammer for me? Was when I realised that prayer is so important because it's the only thing the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. Do you know that? The disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And if you look at where that is in Luke 11, verse 1, and look back at what had happened, he'd just fed the 5,000. He'd spit in somebody's eye and they'd healed. And do you know what's never recorded? Never, ever recorded? Jesus, that's so cool. Show me how to spit in somebody's eye and they get healed. That'd be awesome. Show me how to break some fish and some bread up and feed thousands and thousands of people. None of that's recorded. The only thing recorded that disciples ever asked Jesus was this one thing. Will you teach us how to pray, Lord? Because when they saw Jesus praying, they must have seen something so amazing, so relational, so intimate that they asked him to teach them. 
And in Matthew, we find the greatest prayer ever recorded. And it's, we call it the Lord's Prayer today. And that's God's blueprint for prayer. Not the formula for success, not the open sesame that we talked about before. If we just repeat it and repeat it, something will happen. Remember we talked about that? But it's a framework for how we pray. And it's up to you and me to make that unique and relational. So hallowed be your name. Basically, remember who you're talking to. God is holy. God is sovereign. The creator of the universe. Have some respect, Jane. Your kingdom come. God's priorities need to come before my own. Not the genie in the bottle we talked about before. It's not just about me. It's about him. It's about how do you want me to be? How do you want me to help? How do you want me to act God? Our daily bread. Remember, it's God who provides our needs. So come to him with the things that concern you. Come to him with the things that concern you. Now the Bible says that God will supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's a promise right there. And we just lived in that one. If we just lived in that one alone. Do you know what the thing that really blows my mind though? In the midst of praying about my needs, God will replace what I think those needs are. And then meet those needs I didn't even know I had. How amazing is that? Frustrating sometimes, but amazing that I can go to God with something that I think I'm praying about. And in that dialogue, in that conversation, he will make something known to me I didn't even know I knew or needed to know. And then meet that need that I needed all along. How amazing is that? Forgive us our sins. So this is where we bring things to God we need forgiveness for, right? And we might call this confession. Now, confession used to really bother me. Because it used to make me feel up when my mum used to say to me, when your dad comes home, you're going to tell him exactly what you've done. Or worse, was when you used to get sent out of school, out of a lesson, and the teacher would go, now you're going to the headmaster, you knock on his door, and you're going to tell him why I've sent you. Not that that ever happens today. But it did when I was at school. And the thing is, you used to. You'd go in there and go, oh, Mr. So-and-so sent me, sir. And that horrible feeling you used to get. And whenever I used to hear anybody talk about confession or or asking for forgiveness for sins, that's the feeling I used to get because that's where my brain went back to. And God really had to deal with this in me. Why would I want that feeling of judgment and feeling bad about something? So you know what? just didn't do it. I do other things in praying with God, but I wouldn't go there. And the longer it went on, the longer I ducked God, he was actually the one who could make me feel better. Why? Because the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He is unchanging, remember? He is unchanging. And when I do this, it's done. It's over. It's forgiven. It's gone. I may have to do a bit of work. But as far as me and God are concerned, it's all good. And we can walk on that journey together. It may mean going through some hard places, but you know what? God will walk through them with you. God will walk through them with you. But what I'm also doing is this. I'm not only acknowledging where I'm wrong with God. I'm also going to agree with God about the kind of person he wants me to be. So when I come to God, and I don't do this all the time, I wish I did. I wish I learnt from mistakes that I've made, but I still make them. But often what I try and do is this, is I've done this, God, and I know that you want me to be more like this. Can you help me to be more like this? 
I know who you want me to be. I know the person you want me to be. I know the things you want me to say. I know the way that you want me to act. I'm really sorry, God, that I've acted like this. Can you just help me be more like this? And that power of agreement is really powerful. Really powerful between you and God. Don't yield to temptation. Basically, God will provide a way out. It's up to you to take it. And that's all I'm going to say about that because that's a sermon on its own right there. And while we're on this topic, just coming to an end, you know, let me just speak to me and you about this being busy thing or tired. I used to use that all the time. You know what God's response to me was? Keep it quick then, Jane. I'm too busy. Go, keep it quick then. Don't skip it all together. Let's have a little conversation. And this is where it really got into me. This is the conversation me and God had. And I'm going to write, I've written it down. This is what he said to me. Are you really going to say to me, Jane, you don't have six to ten minutes to spare today. You're planning to use 100% of the time you're awake so wisely and so well that you really don't have time to say good morning to me? That you don't have time to thank me for the food you're about to eat? Or much for a quick sod if that thing you've just done? Or said that I know wasn't your best work? And do you know what? This is the way Jesus prayed. This was his framework and the building blocks that he used. And then he used this word at the end. Amen. Let it be. So be it. Come on, God. We're agreeing together. Let it happen according to your word. And that's the word I'm hungry for. For the amen that comes when me and God are in perfect agreement and we see things happen that could change a world. I'm going to invite the guys back. You know, I'm hungry for the amen. I'm hungry for the so be it. And I need prayer in my life because without it, without God speaking, I end up becoming so blind and so deaf to things around me and I make such stupid decisions and think I know how this thing called life works. You know, prayer is like oxygen. You may not notice what it's doing for you, but boy, you sure miss it when it goes away, don't you? So maybe, maybe Mr. Luther was right after all. And I just want you to reflect on some of the stuff that I've said this morning and give God an opportunity to speak to you. I've said a lot and and I may not have covered some of the stuff that you would have wanted me to cover, but I'm praying that God will be God and can speak to you and speak to me exactly what I need to take away this morning. And the guys are going to sing a song over you and then we're going to come back and do a response. And it's a song that Sean's written, uh, Sean on the bass, in response to the series that we're in about being hungry. And this is a cry from his heart that I think can become a cry from all of our hearts this morning about being hungry for more of God. So let them sing it over you and just let God speak to you about what he wants you and your hurdle that you need to get over this morning. So you've heard a bit of my my journey this morning and and the hurdles that that I went through. Remember my coach saying that don't slow down before the first hurdle. Let your momentum take you over. And, um, you know, the truth is that actually when, when I gave my life to Jesus, when I became a Christian, none of these hurdles were there. You know, when I became a Christian, all of these spaces have always been mine. I've put the hurdles in. I've put the hurdles in and what you need to understand guys is that when you have a hurdle and and you won't go over it 
then actually you're restricted by it, aren't you? And so it could be that you've never got past the point of, well, does prayer happen? At, you know, does it change anything at all? And actually, if I'd stayed there, then all I'd have is this little area to work with. And therefore, my experience and my expectation of God would be here. When actually God wants us to have all of this free expanse and space to dream and believe and see and experience. And I'm not saying that I don't run into those hurdles all the time because I do, but you know what kept me from jumping over? Fear of hurting myself. Fear of hurting myself, of the bruises or the knocks or the little scratches you get when you just catch your leg, trailing leg over them. But you know what, you can get immune to that because actually what your focus is on is on the other side. And so this morning, we're gonna pray together. You know, if you know that your prayer life could use some improvement, or you know, you want it to improve, or um, you know, you need to start praying again. Maybe you've not prayed for a long time, and you just, I just want to, you want to start, or, or you've never prayed, and you just want to know how to do this thing. Or maybe your prayers have mostly been centered around you, about what God can do for you. Well, the great news is this morning, God is so ready to hear that prayer. God is so ready to hear that prayer. And how do I know that? Because in the Bible it says this in Hebrews 4:16. We don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, except the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Take the mercy accept the help and this isn't being over, being over familiar or being not reverent enough in front of God let's be bold and confident this morning so I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to say together the prayer that was recorded in Matthew the Lord's Prayer I don't know how long it's been since you've said this but we're going to say it together this is God's blueprint for prayer and this is where you can start where you can continue your journey and wherever you need to pick up on this morning this is a good place to start. So here we go, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. And the biggest thing we need to remember this morning is this. If you forget everything else I've said, please remember this one line I'm going to say to you now. Prayer is me being me in the presence of God being God. Prayer is me being me in the presence of God being God. And if that's all you take away this morning, then God can revolutionise your life with that one sentence. And so we're going to sing this song together that Sean's written. And let's let our heart cry out to be hungry for more of God. Let's be hungry for the Amen. 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 Amen.